Welcome back to Cover Stories B Side. Today we have Amanda from Sup SA. How's it's it going? Up. What's up, SA? Sup SA. Sup, Amanda. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to awesome. talk about everything cool. Cool. Uh, this is something that we've we've talked about you in Sup SA for a while. So it's something that mm-hmm. we've been trying to get you on. Uh, just finding the right timing and everything. So thanks for yeah. coming on. Yeah, and you know it's like a good time that you did because this is literally like my first month. Oh, yeah. back into the game cool i like took a huge break for a little while because i was like i think i need sub essay to be more i think it needs to be different cool and uh and uh one of the part of the conversation that i feel like we're gonna have today is like a coming of age moment oh yeah and being a musician so i'm excited to talk That's about awesome. it <laughs> so just uh, for those who don't know what sub essay, what is sub essay all about mm. okay so my mission statement and my goal are both the same thing, and it's make my friends and their friends famous. Okay. <laughs> like, I've, I've been in San Antonio f- as a musician. Well, I mean, I've been in San Antonio forever, but I was a musician in the scene like 18 years ago and on. And um, there were so many things that I wish that I could have done when I was younger, but I just didn't know how. And so now I'm at this point where I'm not really relevant as a musician anymore, but my influence on my friends is still around. So now with SUP essay, it's, I guess it's kind of like me passing the branch or the torch to the younger generations and they'll have like conversations they can listen to about how to get gigs at a bar without feeling like an obnoxious jerk, <laughs> like, or like how to defy the odds when your band is being torn apart from different things. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's here to make my friends famous and to talk about cool stuff and to elevate San Antonio, because obviously we have so many amazing musicians here and the United States is like totally, and the world, I guess, is totally sleeping on San Antonio musicians. For sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I feel like we have a very similar kind of goal yeah. to what we're doing here. Um, but uh, you're here to talk about uh, the cover, uh, Puddle's Pity Party, <laughs> the, the sad clown <laughs> meme, uh, who has this amazing operatic baritone voice who covers mostly like you know pop hits um he hit you're, you're here to talk about his cover of space oddity by david bowie so mm-hmm. just jumping right into it why this song well puddles i chose puddles because he's one of those icons in my brain that's like it's okay to look weird it's okay to be yourself and it's also okay to be somebody else to sing incredible songs And so, like, Puddles gives me inspiration, one, to put on a mask and have fun with the character of who you're singing as, or diving in, in, in your, in your mind of, like, the visuals that appear when you sing the song can be related, or related to the audience, relayed to the audience easier through, like, theatrical experience and bringing people in and using your hands, and uh, he's so amazing and mesmerizing. And I chose Space Oddity because because he covers a whole bunch of different ones, and he's so amazing. His vocal range is awesome. You would never imagine. Um, But Space Oddity because it's transcendent. Um, And I feel like anybody who covers that song can feel, like, the despair that you would have floating in a tin can far away from everything you've ever known. You know, and, like, you're voyaging into this space that you may never return from, but it's so beautiful too. It's like, I would never give up the opportunity to do it if I had the opportunity to, because it's like, I have left my world and I am nothing anymore. 
you know, and, and Puddles, he's so sad looking, <laughs> but so like entertaining at the same time. And, and it makes me feel all of those feelings alone and invigorated and scared, but excited and dramatic and calm. He's just, he's a mixture of all of the coolest things that any successful, vibrant musician would want to be. Yeah, I think it's really cool what he's doing. So uh, Puddles is a character played by this guy, Big Mike Geyer. And he was a lead singer of the band King Size. Which mm-hmm. They kind of got like a, kind of like, I don't know, like turn of the century swingish kind of sound. Yeah, they kind of like do a little bit of everything. Big band jazz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, his, it's like his alter ego. He's, it's kind of, like you said, it's a mask for him. And it's something that he does just for fun. He was on um, America's Got Talent. Yeah. And his cover, he did a cover of Royals by Lord. Mm-hmm. And Lord, to this day, apparently says that's the best Royals cover. That's her <laughs> favorite Royals cover. I would agree too, for sure. His voice, like you said, his voice is just, it's just, it completely takes over a room. And mm-hmm. it's not over dramatic. It's very, I mean, I guess it's a very baritone operatic kind of sound, but mm-hmm. it just resonates. And I think that when you hear it, it like you feel it. Like you can feel it no matter where you're at. Yeah. And uh, what he does with this song is very, it's funny because Bowie is very dramatic already with the, his enunciation and oh yeah, the way he just moves from word to word. And I feel like listening to his, to, to Puddle's cover of it, it's very, very similar but it's a little bit more raw. It's a little bit more taken aback, mm-hmm. and I think that that it evens out to the point where it's 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 one. It's a solid cover, but two, it's very like appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, this uh, the song is. I always forget that this is like an early Bowie song because mm-hmm. it kind of shifted what he did for the rest of his career for at least 10, 20 years. Yeah. So um, I I always think Space Oddity and I would think like, oh, it's just on the era of, uh, you know, Ziggy Stardust. But no, that mm-hmm. they came like years and years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with, with Space Oddity, it was inspired by Space Odyssey. That's why it has the name. Yeah. And it actually, the, the version that everyone knows came out five days before the launch of the, the moon mission. The huh. first moon mission. Whoa. So relevant. Yeah. And at the time, a lot of people played it off as David Bowie just being like a gimmick like oh he's mm. the space guy because we're obsessed with space oh I see that and there were some producers who refused, didn't want to work on it because they felt like no I don't want to be a novelty act what and yeah <laughs> it's nuts to think about <laughs> in hindsight it's so genius yeah why would you pass that up it's I just, mean I guess I, get, I understand the gimmicky but why would you pass that up it's so hard to like <laughs> look back at that time and think about like what was to come Mm. You know what I mean? Because this was in 69. This is the peak of Beatles mania. Beatles are about to break up, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is a this is so ahead of its time that yeah. it's hard to really like grasp what it was. <laughs> I think like part of that when people say like it's ahead of their time, I think it's more that they were brave enough to blend all of the parts of being creative together to create not just a song, but it was like an experience. And David Bowie was definitely an experience. Yeah. And um, and I feel like being a trailblazer in any situation as a musician, you have to be willing, and this is where I draw most of my inspiration from, you have to be willing to role play your song and be vulnerable with it and let it be true. And, and then also just have fun acting it in order for it to be like a huge hit, you know? Yeah. We love to be entertained. And Bowie was a great entertainer. 
there's a level of sincerity and it's just like so like literally out of this world you mm-hmm. know type of alien imagery you Super know alien yeah but it's so sincere when he's talking about like not coming home like he means it even though it's mm-hmm. a fictional character and i think getting lost in that is is what music is all about yeah yeah i think he was a true empathetic character for sure yeah just I, and it's and it's like not a trait that most people have or find a way to like weave into their daily crafts. But um, like when I hear that song, actually there's one experience that like the reason why I love that song so much is um, because one day like my dad was, I think he was like in a real vulnerable state and just like eager to tell someone about his life. And he was like telling me about this experience when he first got his motorcycle, he was 17 years old he would put on his uh, tape deck headset and put his helmet on and drive into the desert on his motorcycle, blasting space oddity. And he was like telling me that he felt like he was in a space capsule and far away from all of his problems. And I think he told me that when I was around 17 years old too. And that gave me the idea of like, I'm, I've been writing songs about like all of these weird things that don't really matter. Maybe now I should start writing it songs about like stories that I can relate to or stories that make me feel things. And it totally influenced me to turn into uh, a singer songwriter versus like a musician, you know, it was insane. And, and I owe it all to theater for sure. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I, my favorite, I think one of the things we wanted to accomplish with this part of the podcast is to talk about, so there's this, there's this, do you know who Joe Perra is? Mm-mm. Joe Perra is this comedian and he's very deadpan and he talks like this all the time and that's his whole <laughs> shtick. And that's on fun. Adult Swim, <laughs> he put out this this like little short called Joe Perra Reads the Morning Announcement to Church or something. <laughs> and it's talking about him discovering Baba O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And it's just like he had never heard this song before and he's playing this character who just like falls in love with it and he listens to it day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's so sincere and it's so like sweet and he's just such like a weird, like nerdy guy. <laughs> and that's like my favorite thing about listening to people talk about the music they love. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, like your dad's experience just driving into space on his motorcycle, basically. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's what really makes music so enjoyable. And so, you know, that's why it hits in so many different levels. Yeah. It's, it's versatile. And yeah. it's uh, subjective. That's what makes it so multidimensional and accepted so widely. I love it. For sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's it's funny. I, I feel like there's bands that I just can't get into. And then I hear somebody who like loves that band and they talk about what it means to them. <laughs> I can't like hate on anything that I don't like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, am I missing a vital part of something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always made fun of like bands like, like Simple Plan because to me that's like kids bop punk, you know? Mm. And I remember going to like one of the last Warp Tours and there was these kids who had to be like 12 years old and they were losing their shit. They were just like, <laughs> they were so, it. it was probably like their first show and they were so excited. They were like taking little pictures on their phone oh, they're like moms cool. behind them. And I was just like, well, I can't even hate on this. Like, this is, this is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. even though I don't like this music, it felt really cool to, to like be, to, to actually like visualize this, like this, this coming of age Mm-hmm. moment you know in this person's life <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll forever remember that yeah you're like watching a memory being yeah. created how awesome is that it's and then, really cool and then that allows you to appreciate genres just as they are yeah you know like i don't really gotta say anything bad about it i really don't have yeah. to you know someone else is gonna be like yeah this is the fucking oh, i'm sorry this is the fucking shit i'm gonna say it anyways <laughs> um and then you would be like yeah 
for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thumbs up. And so, oh gosh, the perspective is important too. Perspective and, and music teaches perspective. Yeah. Those points of views of empathy and all that. Definitely. And I, I talked about this a lot, but I feel like there are certain experiences you have to have to experience certain music. And that's why, like, there's stuff that I listen to now that I could not get into in high school. Mm. And it's just because, like, oh, like, I've gone and I've experienced this, so now I know what they're singing about, or now yeah. I know what this feels like. Um, it's really cool to kind of come back and, and to really see, like, different interpretations of, of mm-hmm. music that you didn't think you liked before. Yeah, and even music that you do like. Yeah. And how it ages with you, and you're just like, oh, I thought I, I, thought I knew it on surface yeah. level, but <laughs> <gasps> panic attack, midlife crisis. And like that, that also goes to show just how, how music just like shifts and it doesn't even have anything. It just is in your mind, however it is. Yeah. I think the association of things is really nice. I mean, there's songs that of course, like remind you of people, remind you of moments, remind you of like experiences, you know, and there was Mm -hmm. a song that was playing, uh, and my girlfriend made a playlist for us one time and all the songs were so different, but they all were like <laughs> had a story behind it, and, mm. and it was really cool. I mean, she was just talking about like 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 a G six and how like this reminded her of this club she went to in Atlantic City, and <laughs> you know Aww. the stuff happened, you know, and like it's just so cool to like that has nothing to do with what the song's about, but it reminds her of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the feeling of making mixtapes. Yeah, and like spending time on on making CDs, and you're like, I'm gonna make a song that makes me feel really angry, or I'll make a list that makes me feel angry, or uh, making a list of something to give someone that you love yeah just like this is how i feel about you you make me feel blue <laughs> and these are all the songs about blue it's super neat you can really use a lot you can use music to convey so much to people without even trying for sure did you make a lot of mix cds in like uh in high school or before? yes yeah that's all like uh, i really have been so about local musicians and even now like on sup essay on thursdays i make a local playlist like local mixes of all of the bands that come in and send in their stuff and I'll put them on like a beats one or on this one. And it's just like a level of up and downs. And so making mixes that really show off my friends and allow the listener to like listen at the peak and then also come down with it and feel it. Yeah. That makes me feel like I created something magical, you know, (laughs) like here's this mixtape. Yeah. I love mixing. It's like creating a movie almost like Mm -hmm. I, I've, I was like before Nick and Nora came out, when Nick and Nora came out, like it spoke I to me. I forgot about that movie. Because I would make like art. I would draw things like album covers and I would like fold <laughs> them up and I would make like CD cases out of paper. Yes. And, like, wow. So, sometimes it was for like platonic friends. Sometimes it was for girls mm-hmm. I liked. Sometimes it was for girls I was dating. And like even now to this day, like I still make my girlfriend like mix CDs. Oh. It's been a while, but uh, you make CDs still. Yeah, yeah, I still bring CDRs. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's like, awesome. I like drawing. I think we got into Twin Peaks um, about a year after we started dating, and mm. I made like a Twin Peaks themed, and it was all like very like mysterious music or Ooh. dark tones, you know. And like it was, uh, <laughs> I, I drew like the cover and everything. It's just a lot of fun for me to do, and and I think that Nick and Nora kind of spoke to me because he took all that time and. It's one of those things that I just feel like that's all because of the music. Like Mm -hmm. it makes you want to be creative and do those things. Yeah, it really. And like people who rely, I don't. Okay. So I have a type of autism where I cannot see like emotional responses or body language. And it takes me a lot to like really figure out, especially if you're being like passive aggressive, I can't tell. But immediately if you put it in song and just like show a little bit of face, 
expression of how you're feeling, then I absolutely get it. You know, it really unravels it because it like ignites my ears. It sounds like a sad thing or it sounds like a happy thing. And then I can see the face and then like also feeling the passion of the voice is important too. And I think it just like having that exaggerated feeling as a gift for somebody allows them to like kind of burst out of their cocoon and feel that with you for a little while. For sure. And that's the thing that's so cool about it. We always talk about like death of the author where, you know, someone writes something and they mean this, but Mm -hmm. someone listens to it and it means something completely different. And there's so many different interpretations about Mm -hmm. where you are in that point in time when you're listening to it, where you heard it the first time. And it's just so cool to see that really go into so many different directions. Mm -hmm. Do you have any like, uh, do you have any playlists from when you were a kid? Uh, Yeah, I actually, uh, well, I mean, um, playlist wise. I don't know. There's there are songs that I put on like every CD I've ever made for like somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think one of them that, that comes up a lot was uh, I like Karen O's cover of uh, uh, Sheena is a punk rocker. Mm. Um, was there like a whole album that Karen O did or something? Well, she, she I think she might have a solo album. Um, of just of like covers though, or did she like have a boom of covers all of a sudden? Not that I know of. I know she did the the uh, for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Soundtrack. She did an immigrant song. She's mm-hmm. done. Um, if you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough for the Jackass soundtrack. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then this this one was actually it wasn't just her. It was yeah yeah yes, and it was for like uh some it was a it was a uh, charity album. Cool. It was it was a pretty cool charity album. I can't remember. I think it was it wasn't for Kosovo, but I think it was maybe for Darfur. Mm. This was like about 10, 12 years ago. She's extraordinary. Yeah, she's awesome. She's amazing. Fever to Tell is one of my <laughs> top 10 albums of all time. Yeah, that actually, that album got me grounded for so many weeks. Oh, yeah? <laughs> because I was just like, I'm going to be Karen O. And, you know, singing those songs like when you're 17 or like, I think I was 15, I think when I first heard it. Um, singing those songs when you're 15 upstairs. You yeah. Know, your parents are like, what the fuck are you <laughs> listening to? <laughs> but she was like so releasing so awesome so badass everything that she did like on stage was like so cathartic for her because mm. she's like you see her in interviews and she's like very timid and like very shy and really? then you, oh yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. see her on stage and she's like she is the show mm-hmm. you know and that's part of the reasons why she went solo i mean as much as i love yeah yeah it's like she was she was the guiding force in that that live performance wow <laughs> that's what she brought emotion theater yeah. senses I'm telling you man she's a legend too it's very Bowie like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of like the best front people are, they have what like Bowie has in the sense that he was very similar. He was very shy and timid and, mm-hmm. you know, before he was Bowie, he was Davy Jones and, you know, he was just very <laughs> like, like you see old, especially his stuff before Space Oddity. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's, I think it's a little bit more taken aback. I mean, he's, he's, he's still like a good songwriter, but it's just not as memorable. Mm-hmm. Space Oddity was the first um, of his singles to chart in the UK. Really? It went to number five, yeah. No way. Yeah. I'm learning so much on this cast <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 funny because um, this the one the recording that everyone is familiar with uh, was actually the second recording. The first recording it was he had this band called Feathers with this uh, guy John Hutchinson, and it was a duet. John Hutchinson was ground control. He was Major Tom. So huh. they were. It was like a back and forth situation. And I don't remember, I don't know exactly what happened, but Hutchinson kind of left and they re-recorded it about a few months later. Mm. And um, the biggest thing that happened with this recording is they added like such an array of different different um, instruments. There's like orchestra in there and then there's, um, yes. what's the word? I can't remember the name of the melodin or something. It's It's a type of like synthesizer 
the guy from Yes played on that this recording. No way. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. He he yes. plays like this like synthesizer, <laughs> and there's a point where when Major Tom is like floating away basically and like getting lost and it's becoming going farther into space, it changes from regular like instrumental strings to the synth strings. Oh. And then when he comes back telling like tell my wife I love her, mm-hmm. it goes back to like the normal strings. It like it's just like cl- ethereal. Yeah. And then back to like the earth sound. Yeah, exactly. It's so cool. And it's the stuff that like I I'm not paying attention to. It's like I had to listen to like podcasts that, that mm-hmm. kind of broke this down. It adds so many different elements to what the song is about and what like the feels of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like listening to it with really tight headphones on that yeah. cancels everything out. Yeah, it's so cool. There's a there's a movie on Hulu called Troop Zero. It's kind of like this. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. This is like this ragtag like Girl Scout troop, and it <laughs> takes place in like 1970 or so. And the little girl is a big David Bowie fan, and they put on this performance at the end. Whoever wins the performance gets to have their like um, voice cast, and it was gonna they're gonna put on the Voyager that went out to you know space oh cool and um they perform um space oddity at the end and it's like a really like coming together and it's it's very she's kind of like an outcast she's like a nerd and and like she gets picked on and so it's it's all coming together and then like I feel like David Bowie is like the spokesperson for that type of person who like hey like you said earlier like it's okay to be you you know Mm -hmm. it's a real cool thing to see like this really cool like huge figure in pop culture is like a timid shy guy yeah and i feel like that's pretty common yeah like even with myself a lot of i think maybe i just think a little bit differently of myself but like i'm very much an inward type person i'm introverted i like to think i'll analyze everything until the t and then once i'm done with all that then i'll talk to people about it but in the meantime i can carry a good conversation um but in order for me to have that good conversation, I will usually like harness the power of like, if I'm going to go talk to kids, I'll be like, I'm going to harness the power of Mrs. Frizzle, <laughs> you know, or I'm going to harness the power of David Bowie or even like, um, I really like Simon and Garfunkel's really spunky take on life. And so I'll kind of just like pretend I'm these people and then go out there and it'll help break the ice. And then I'll be totally normal. Like after that, I can just be me after that. But I, as a, as a, kind of shy person I rely on my characters to help me by um, and I think Bowie also created a character that he could go in and out of and be whoever he wanted to be and then at home he could just like rest and be David Bowie you know so uh, I think it's just incredible the transitions that people the, the transitions that people go through in order to express themselves correctly yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and it's fully and truthfully. For sure. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird thing because like you're not lying, you're just bringing out another part of you. Like you're yeah, you're, multifaceted person. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're playing a part, but it's also a part that like is part of you. Like it's it's, it's kind of like an oxymoron in a way. Mm-hmm. Um I, you're right. You see that a lot with like performers and especially in in this genre of music and rock and roll in general, like mm-hmm. all these biopics start off with this like very timid shy guy or shy girl, you know, and like yeah. You see, like, like Joan Jett's another example where, like, you, you watch, like, biopics or you see, like, interviews with her and she's just very, like, to herself. But on stage, she's, like, a totally, like, different person. Mm-hmm. And imagine just having to, like, summon all of your major energy just for, like, an hour and a half. Yeah. You know? And I, that's, like, what, uh, oh, my God, I can't think of his name. The guy from Queen. 
um, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Yeah. There you go. Like Freddie Mercury. I mean, he was like 100% all the time. But then he would go on that stage for like at two hours and be like 300%. And then you're just like, you're not even there for the music. You're there for like the <laughs> energy that they expel. Yeah. You know, and then they have to go home and sleep for three days. But <laughs> like, it's so incredible and intoxicating the way those creatives come on stage and are just like, here is me untamed. Yeah. <laughs> Super neat. I love it. Those are the best shows too. I feel like mm-hmm. there are bands who I wasn't into and I see them live and like I see how sincere they are, how like energetic they are. And right, they love it. Yeah, those are the it. best shows. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen bands that I love and like I love listening to and I see them live and either they're not into it or they're just, the, the crowd's not into it. It's just a two-way street, you mm-hmm. know? And I, I, I feel like when that happens, it's just such a bummer because like, yeah. you want to be a part of it, but it's just like it doesn't feel right. Yeah, we need your energy, guys. Yeah. You got to bring it. Yeah, I feel that too. And and I think that's also a big thing that you have to keep in mind is that like energy is required. For sure. Energy is required. So get good sleep before you perform. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need it. I've seen Weezer. Weezer is one of my favorite bands. Oh, um, fun. Yeah. And I've seen them a few times. And there was one time I saw them in Corpus and it was the best, like my favorite show of all time. Mm. And it was like, it was raining and like, it was a little dangerous, but they were just (laughs) like, they kept on playing and they could tell like they were like, they were so happy to be there. And Mm -hmm. even if they weren't happy to be there, like it felt like they were. And then I saw them at Riot Fest and they filled in for Blink-182 because Blink-182 had to cancel. And it felt very like kind of last minute, like they didn't. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. And it and was like, still like a good show, but it just wasn't the same. Yeah. Like everyone wanted Blink-182. Yeah. But like I, Weezer I th- is fine, but it's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just more of the, like the fact that like they just, it felt almost like they were unprepared. Mm. Like it's one thing to like make mistakes and just to be like, we're going to play through these mistakes. But there's yeah. mistakes, man. It just kind of felt like, oh, like I don't, this doesn't, this feels like I'm watching a rehearsal, you know? Mm, yeah, I feel that. But it also could be that I had such a high with the last time I saw them that it completely <laughs> brought me down. The bar was set too yeah, high. Yeah. I feel that. I saw them with um, Lollapalooza. Oh, yeah? And they came with um, At the Drive-In. Oh, cool. And Dashboard Confessional. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was like the coolest show. And Blink-182 played that night too. So it was them and Weezer, all four of them. And the energy was like, it started with, Dashboard confessional, which was like, cool, I'm sad, but I'm hyped. <laughs> and then like at the driving came in, which was a completely different genre. Yeah. And I lost my shit. I mean, they had like lights blinking all over the place. And then like uh, so much emotion and so much like thrashing around between the crowd. And then like Weezer came on and they're just like, hi, we're a bunch of nerds. <laughs> you know, like it's us next. And I think it was kind of a weird transition, but they really brought it to the point where we were like, I feel like an emo kid again. <laughs> and like, I feel really excited about stuff and I feel like I can write about love songs and be sad. It was super neat. And the, uh, that I feel like, well, that was like my first show. I think it was my first show. Oh wow! And after that I was like, I have to have more. It was <laughs> such a mix of emotions and feelings in that show. When was it? I was 13, I think. Um, let's see, I'm 31 now. So a long time ago, 17 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> That's so awesome. Like I, I love, because like Lollapalooza has this kind of, um, there there's so many festivals like Lollapalooza now, and mm-hmm. like at that point in time to have those four bands like at that point, like in their peak. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to, I still had to drive in when they reunited and they played the Aztec, Ooh, and fun. it was so great. It was so good. It was like these fifteen years of like 
holding this in to want to like be able to see them mm-hmm. and then i can only imagine seeing them in like 0304 like yeah. that's dope it was like my first well like i had been to a lot of local shows and there was this one local band that was my absolute favorite that reminds me a lot of them called groceries uh-huh. and they would play at like taco cabana do you remember the days when people would play at taco cabana yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a desperate time there was a place um <laughs> oh it's off of 410 by the 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 theater chila vista there's a mexican restaurant i can't remember what it was called but there's it was a Mexican restaurant that like I remember bands used to play there all the time. <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. I want to go to a Denny's that allows oh, yeah. bands that play. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine just like eating your pancakes and then a metal band coming on, being like, "Fuck!" So that meme, that whole like, <laughs> what would they say is like, "Open to pit Denny's or whatever." Yeah. <laughs> um, that meme reminds me so much of this show that uh, my friends they had a grindcore band called Sore Throat. Uh-huh. And they played the Leon Valley pool club, like the clubhouse at the pool, at the like town pool. (laughs) And I remember they were playing later and there was another band playing and I had to go pick up a friend. So I was like hauling ass to go get, I come back and the show has ended and I look and there's like a glass screen door and someone got thrown through. (laughs) Yes. Wow. And they had to cancel (laughs) the show because like the people that owned the clubhouse were like, we're not going to go on. We've already like. (laughs) Got all this damage, but I love that. That meme reminds me so much of like shows <laughs> like that. Pit yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love little pop up shows, and I think God bless, we need those now. Like just anywhere you can play, please bring us back this music. Um, but like we we had started talking about something, and then we started talking about something else. Oh, <laughs> gosh, we did it. We did it. You said exactly. We digressed. <laughs> this um, is how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was talking about groceries and we. Oh, yeah. My bad. Yeah. So I was really into um, like that alternative rock that was kind of like grunge, but also kind of leaning more towards like grind. And then Weezer was able to like float between them with like Pinkerton and then Blue. Um, and then they went on to make other albums <laughs> um, and then like make believe came out and it restored my humanity in being silly in your art. <laughs> I was really excited about it. I was like, why am I hating on Weezer so much? Like he's playing with the Muppets. <laughs> like he's having the time of his life. I'm excited about this too. Um, I also think that like evolution of artists in their craft is important. Yeah. And like allowing them instead of like calling people like posers or like transitioning or like, oh, you're used to being rock. Now you're singing pop. It's like elevate those musicians who are transitioning. It's like they're finding another face of their musicianship. And it's so applauding. I want to applaud all of the musicians who transition. Like myself, I started as a folk artist and now I'm kind of going into like a disco pop. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah. And I write music now that sounds really good when I write on my skates because I'm like in a really like cool choreographing dancing team awesome. with skates and I'm just feeling that right now and so um one of my friends was like I don't know man it kind of sounds like you're selling out to like get people to come to your shows and I'm like oh uh, yeah but it's also like really fun and listen to it and try not chewing bubble gum and being happy like what's the matter with you and so um I'm always excited to see new phases that the people come up with yeah I think that like the whole selling out thing annoys me because i was one of those kids i was like the punk police and like when i was like 16 and i just look back and like oh i was such a fucking nerd like (laughs) i remember uh just that the whole aspect of like i like i refused to listen to a band if they like went on like a major label and Mm. like then i learned that like it's not underground anymore yeah and then i learned like the labels that they were on before were like subsidiaries and like i learned how subsidiaries worked and like oh this is (laughs) this belongs to mca anyway like yeah um, but I, I, I think that as long as there's a sincerity to it, like selling out is 
selling out itself is only like it's only like toxic when it when you're like selling out on yourself. Mm. And if you're writing music that means what it means to you, yeah. then who gives a shit what it sounds like, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. I don't I don't like when I, I there are some bands who like I've loved and then they change their sound, but it still feels sincere, so it's I can't like I don't want to hate on that because that's what they felt. Yeah. I feel like like Jimmy World is an example of that. I love early Jimmy World. Mm-hmm. There was like three or four albums after Bleed American that I just couldn't get into. But like yeah. at the same time, like it never felt like they were trying to to be something they weren't. Mm-hmm. And then this last album that came out was really good. So I'm like, maybe I'm the one who sucks. Like maybe I'm the <laughs> one who like maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. Yeah, my maybe my lenses need to be cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, I think that I mean like as we grow as human beings and individuals, we all have to like remain flexible with transitioning yeah. to new phases of our lives. And like with that, you have being authentic to yourself and authentic to your creations requires you to no longer be what you were last year. Yeah. You know, and if you continue, like, I don't know how musicians can, can thrive decades with just one genre. I mean, there, I mean, obviously there had been times where they had branched out and tried new things. You know, yeah. Freddie Mercury went off and tried his own thing, which was like, okay, it was cool. He brought the energy, but it wasn't the same. Um, and then other bands who do that. Um, fuck, what were you saying? What was the beginning one? The transitioning. Transitioning, that's yeah. right. <laughs> I don't know how they can do it for so many decades and not change. They have to be like a really magical unicorn yeah. of a band to do that. But other than that, I get bored. Like, yeah. It's like, cool, are you going to write about anything other than being sad? <laughs> like, will the chapter never end? <laughs> Tell me something new. So I, I always hope that every year a new album comes out and it's completely different. Yeah. I think it's always contextual too because I could hear the Ramones write a million songs about sniffing glue. <laughs> and like I, I can probably listen to every one of them. Um, but then when you have a band like I think one my favorite example is like the biggest sellout band of all time is like Kiss. And then <laughs> they have the movie Detroit Rock City where they kind of make fun of themselves where mm-hmm. they're talking about like disco sucks. And then one of the, the disco girls was like, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Kiss made a disco song. And they're like, no, they and then they did. Yeah. Look it up. Like. It's so funny because there's that self-awareness there, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's also like the aspect of like. They don't care, you know. We yeah. we talk a lot about like Metallica is another band that's like that where they lost so many fans after Ride the Lightning, and um, I love the early stuff. I can't get into the older stuff because I don't work on cars and I'm not forty. Um, <laughs> no, that's not that's not even a slight. Like I, I just it's not. If it was another band, I probably wouldn't like be able to like make fun of it as much because mm-hmm. it's all in good fun at the, at the end of the day, you know. Like yeah. I still love the early stuff. I still that stuff still makes me like happy mm-hmm. but like when a band that you feel like is your band turns into everyone else's band it feels kind of like a slight but mm. no that's just you being selfish in yeah. a way yeah like support the support the bands it's yeah. okay let them make the money <laughs> it's fun yeah i feel that and i think those are also like trinkets of nostalgia yeah that will remain permanent through all of the decades because it was such a huge new thing that rocked its platform and it's like maybe it'll die out like with my kids generation or whatever <laughs> but i know like when we get in the car they're excited to, to hear led zeppelin yeah they're excited to hear all of these old staples that i lived on but i don't think that they're going to show it to their kids because it'll maybe maybe it'll outlive them 
I don't know, but I think everyone is going to be like, if you like rock, then you've got to like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and if you don't, then you're not even a rocker, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you have to have these like rites of passage uh, bands in order for you to be a musician or something, you know? Yeah. I think it ties back to what we were talking about earlier, like when music means certain things to you and mm-hmm. then like when you see that it means other things that are people that don't really fit into what it means to you it's like shell shock, you know, Mm -hmm. you feel like almost betrayed by this musician, even though they didn't do anything. (laughs) You're supposed to love me and only entertain me. (laughs) Yeah. What's your, um, what's your favorite legendary band? Not just because you like them, but because it's like, you have to like them. Um, the Cars is a band that mm. like, cause I, I love, like I said, I love Weezer. Rick Ocasek produced a blue album mm-hmm. and I like, I love listening back to that, that era of like they were the turn of seventies and eighties and they weren't like a punk band. They're a rock band, but they're also like very poppy and mm-hmm. they had hooks and like, they weren't afraid of that. You yeah, know, we like that. Yeah. People like that. Yeah. I like, I like feeling like I'm excited the entire show. Yeah. For, for sure, sure. Mm-hmm. and then, you know the sing-along aspect of it the guitar parts are like fun but they're not easy and mm-hmm. they're not like you know it feels like an accomplishment to do a car solo but it's not <laughs> yeah. like something i have to spend like 30 hours trying right. to figure out you know mm-hmm. um i love every aspect of them and their songwriting you know everything i feel like everything rick okasik has produced i've been interested in listening to it mm. well that's cool perspective it's it's fun to like go back and like talk about these bands you know because i mean obviously that was before i was born it was before we were born you know yeah, and it's like how could we like it so much yeah we weren't even a part of the culture we yeah and it's just we? so crazy how it transcends you know like mm-hmm. you said with bowie I, I feel like bowie has had he he's very much like you know madonna and 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 these other huge pop you always just sort of with mtv and stuff but like they've had so many so much significance in every decade they were mm-hmm. alive from their first like release. Right. And uh, it's just so fun, especially like, I think we talked about a little bit about this before we recorded, but just in movie soundtracks, you know, and how Bowie has just kind of really, he completely can change the scene with one of his songs. Oh yeah. Um, do you have any example? What, what are some of your favorite Bowie songs? Um, I actually don't listen to Bowie very oh, yeah? much. <laughs> like, um, I think there's, I only really gain from him his showmanship um, and some songs that I feel are like really neat and kind of impact me. But where I'm at usually more so like with um, musicians that I read into are like, mm, what is one that I think that could compare, I guess is like, hmm, let me think about this now. You talked about Zeppelin a little bit. Zeppelin's neat, but I'm thinking of one, like I really dig Journey. Oh, yeah. So um, Journey to me is kind of like the lead singer has that same type of power and hypnosis over people that Bowie does. Um, And I think he did a cool cover of Bowie, but I can't think of it now. But anyways, what were you going to ask about Bowie? Well, yeah, I mean, I I think (laughs) we can talk about Journey because that's a band we don't really talk about a lot. And I I think. What are you talking about? People should always talk about Journey. There's a thing about (laughs) Journey because Neil Sean played with Santana. and He's such a good guitar player Mm -hmm. and he's so underrated. He never comes up on this list of like amazing guitar players, you know. Who's Santana? No, uh, Neil Sean. Oh, no. Oh, I thought you were saying Santana. Yeah, Santana definitely does. But Mm -hmm. like Neil Sean, like um, I'm probably saying his last name wrong, but. He's the Journey guitar player, and mm-hmm. his like his licks and Journey are amazing. Like, yeah, the, and it's a really unique sound. Yeah, you can always tell it's them. 
Yeah, and and I feel like the thing with Journey that that people think of is they think of like Glee, and they think of like these like commercials. They think about like shopping at Target, you know, and they think about like <laughs> and these karaoke. They they have like the best karaoke songs because everybody knows the words. Oh yeah, and it completely like changed their legacy. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I mean, Steve Perry is a little like dramatic in like a it's turkey amazing, way. Though. You know, like, <laughs> what do you mean? It, it's very way? like it's very like like drama kid, mm, and yeah. I mean Bowie is too. But there's just a weird kind of. I think a lot of it's just the association, and mm-hmm. it's not fair to Journey. <laughs> I used to think that Journey was lame when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and then in college I had a roommate who loved Journey. I uh, two roommates actually. Dom Crusoe was one of them. Oh, right on! I can him, see him liking it forever. Yeah, him and my <laughs> other roommate Kyle Coffee were very integral in making me realize that I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> and Journey was one of those bands that I came out of living with them and being like, oh, like Journey kind of rules. <laughs> yeah, I think there was like a difference. The difference I feel like between Bowie and and Steve Perry is that like Steve Perry is very like focused on his vocal presence. Like he doesn't re- he doesn't dress up. He's not a huge show. Yeah. He's just like a phenomenal singer. And he has a way of like piercing through to you. Like he has that frequency that he sings on that it just affects you. And, uh, and Bowie is like an artistic piece that's or an, like a wall mural that moves in front of you. And you're just like, holy shit, <laughs> you are everything. And so like, I think that's a little bit of the difference. And it's kind of hard to get into people who don't have like, or experience these big things, but don't really have that showman in front of them. Yeah. You're just kind of like, okay, Steve Perry, I see you in your jeans. <laughs> like I dig it. I'm about it. Um, so I think looking at, looking at it with a different lens and seeing it as like music production rather than a visual production helps yeah. understand the music. For sure. Mm-hmm. There's, I think that with the ballads, the journey ballads are a little bit more cheesy. And I oh, think yeah. that's part of it. And I think that kind of, <laughs> like, Any Way You Want is one of my favorite songs. That's such a good one. I think that's probably my favorite journey song. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the, I, I, I like the more upbeat stuff. And then the ballad stuff is, is great. It's just, uh, I think that's what kind of changes their legacy a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's what starts it. Yeah. They're really relatable. Yeah. And I think the best songwriters make their excuse me make their music ultra relatable with simple ideas yeah you know like everybody loves and everybody hurts and everyone's gonna break up or everyone's gonna run away eventually somewhere to find themselves and so it's like it's almost like a generic linear experience that all humans feel but it still means something significant to you when you hit that milestone. For sure. It's like just universal. Mm-hmm. Um, universal. That's a good one. I, I think that like they talk about Twilight and um, Bella is the main character's name. Yeah. I'm not pretending like I don't know this. I, I just. You do know it. And I'm ready for this conversation. <laughs> um, so Bella is very like plain. And in the description in the book, she is not very. She's not described very well. It's very much like she could be anybody. And the reason mm-hmm. for that. Is for young girls who read this, or young guys, you know, uh, who want to be loved by a vampire. They can put <laughs> themselves in Bella, and, like they can say, "I'm Bella. This is me." She's describing me, but it's, it's like it's like reading like newspaper horoscopes. Like something good is going to happen today. Oh my yeah. god, that is that is so me. Like <laughs> you you probably had to sleep last night. Oh my god, this is like me. You know, it's it's so universal, and through that universal, it becomes more specific to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to bring up because. 
that I feel like that's what space oddity yeah. is. <laughs> you know, coming full circle, everyone can literally feel that feeling of loneliness. Yeah. And I think that it, it obviously there are a handful of people who have been into space. So mm-hmm. not very many people can relate to being to space. But they kind of do the opposite in the sense that like it's so specific that it becomes universal, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think it's it's really cool to 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 see that in in, in the lyrics and, and not even just the lyrics, just the way it feels, the sound, yeah. that it takes in order to like lift you out of your mundane life <laughs> and like feel amongst the stars, floating, amazing for sure. I like I like thinking about that song when I'm like submerged in a pool. Oh yeah. Well, I just like being submerged in a pool, anyways, like suspended. That's such an insane feeling. I think I can take that feeling and like sew it into my experience listening to Bowie and like make a scene in my brain and totally leave myself forever. That's a cool meditative state. Yeah. That's what's so cool about, I think now having access to so much music in your, the palm of your hand, literally, Mm -hmm. you know, you can make a playlist for every mood Mm -hmm. and like, there are definitely songs. Like I completely get what you're talking about. Like there's songs I just want to listen to on my headphones and like lay down. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what are some songs, so you talk about how, you know, your dad related to Space Oddity. What are some songs that you have special, like, memories with that, that make you feel kind of the same way? Hmm. Something that makes me feel the same way. So my state of being is that of, like, manic circus at all times, and that's when I feel most relaxed is when I'm stuck in my creative bubbles. So I really like to listen to uh, Paul McCartney's Wings album. Oh, yeah. Um, I really like, I forgot what the song is called, but it's like, hands across the water, water, hands across the sky. But it it's like such a zany little thing that doesn't make any sense. But in my brain, it like slows it down and allows it to have fun on its own without anxiety and without any issues or depression. It's such a fun, light song. And then I also recall like, a lot of showman tunes like the most of my upbringing and most of my musical career centers around plays or musicals or uh, even Disney playlists are oh, my yeah? favorite because I really love the emotion that they pull. Um, but I guess another one that leaves me pretty deep in my thoughts is. Um, I think it's called it's by Yes and it's um one where they're talking about the chessboard. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm a yes new. I know owner of the Lonely Heart, and I think that's all I can think of right now. Gosh, I want to look on my phone exactly what it's called. I know the second part is I've seen all good people is the second song to that, but the first song I think is um, for the queen to lose, move me on to any black square. Anyways, um, I like it one because the story is amazing, and I, I think here in a second, if we take a break, I'll look for it and, and we'll talk about it, but. Um, It also includes this like ominous organ and it rises and builds and builds and builds and the music repeats itself. And I really like chanting type music. Oh yeah. Um, And then it just like pauses and you're left suspended waiting for the next note. And then it goes into this really bouncy folk rock type thing. And it feels relieving to a point where I'm like, I built up all this emotion listening to it and imagining myself on a chessboard I need to move my spaces to be wise. I need to win the game and then just releasing it and then just having fun. Yeah. Cause it doesn't matter anyways, you know, uh, just be thoughtful and wise to yourself. So I really appreciate listening to music that requires me to reflect in and then reset. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I think that 
with with bands like Yes, because I, I feel the same way about a lot of Boston songs. Because Boston, Ooh, yeah, I feel like Boston that is voice. like a level two, and Yes is like a level ten in terms of like the progressiveness. <laughs> and and that's not even a slight on Boston. It's just like saying how like crazy Yes is, because mm-hmm. um, they're another type of band that like their legacy for like noob listeners like myself in that sense was very like for a long time was like oh they're just a cheesy like keyboard band you know and then if you dig in like like no there's so much more than that mm-hmm. and um i i think that with with those kinds of songs they've, they've got i mean progressive music in general progressive rock in general is just so out there mm-hmm. and it's so cool to like really it, it really trans it's almost feels like you're you know on a trip yourself you know oh, yeah. yeah totally um so i just looked up at if anyone wants to check out that song, it's called Your Move. I've seen all good people by Yes. Uh, maybe you can give it a rock later on tonight. But um, yeah, the um, being able to penetrate people in their brains and give them the experience that you're like conveying. Like I love when Boston reaches those like high notes yeah. that just like, Whom, whom, whom. you're just like what is happening to me there's goosebumps on me how is he reaching into that higher register and then learning all of the mechanics behind his instruments and his thoughts and creating all of these pedals and stuff i was like dude this guy's mind you're genius (laughs) you're a magical unicorn um he's a real like the whole band is a real special special band i always think of like the summer when i listen to them yeah I, i i think that the thing that's great about boston which I don't think we've ever talked about Boston before, and it blows my mind because I love Boston. There's like a lot of firsts. Yeah, right yeah. Now. <laughs> this is good. This is great. Um, I think of my, my favorite part of I love more than a feeling because that was like my introduction to mm-hmm. them, and they have this very radio rock sound, but there's so much more than that. And when it changes from the chorus to like the the preverse, or I don't even I don't know if you can call it a bridge, but there's these chords he plays. And it when he's talking about the Marianne part, like mm. it sounds so pretty. Right. And I just like I love that like it's almost like having everything else. It's almost like a bass drop in like in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it just really feels is. like everything else is nothing matters but those like chords and then he yeah. sings into it and goes back into the intro and everything just like drops off. Yeah. And you're just there. Yeah. Listening for sure. to that <laughs> type thing. God, he's so amazing. <laughs> I can't find anyone who really can replicate. Oh yeah, sound you know, and like, I guess there are some people who come close to it, but I don't know. Maybe it's just like his presence and his like scientific mind that reached a frequency no one can reach. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of that just you know we we talked about this a lot, like you know the, the the shyness and it's really them like being able to be cathartic and let this all out, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you meet them in person, it's very different. <laughs> yeah, don't meet your heroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, never meet them. Um, it's it's kind of, I guess it's kind of like, I don't know. I guess I've met a few of my favorite bands. Like I met Alien Ant Farm last year. And there was like, I was so excited because they're like my favorite band uh, from the 90s or whatever. And Did you and see them with Lit? Yeah. I was there. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That was dope. I uh, touched him and got his pick <laughs> and sang on a mic with him. Um, so anyways, but when I met them, I was just like, actually, I don't really feel like I need this. Yeah. You're not who I want. (laughs) I just want to listen to your album and stuff. Like, I don't really care. Um, And I wonder if that's like a bad thing. Like, I just want, I just want your art. I don't want the artist. I think it's different (gasps) for everybody. Um, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, My 
I have three favorite bands. I mentioned Weezer already. Mm-hmm. Saves the Day is another band and who Good one. Good pick. I love and have always been like I they were just like my introduction to like second wave slash third wave emo or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember at Warp Tour you could get like autographs and stuff and I remember wanting to go and like my friend was like, Oh, do you want to take a picture with Chris Conley, the lead singer? And I'm like, No, I'm good. And he was just <laughs> like like I didn't want to be disrespectful, but at the same time I'm like, No, like I don't I I just I don't know. I just I, mm-hmm. I I think now maybe I like want to have a conversation or something, but it just, I didn't know exactly what you mean. Like, it just feels like, like, this is cool. You made something that I love and that is mm-hmm. very much a part of me. But like, at the same time, like, that's what I'm into. It's not like, you know, it's cool to like, maybe like wax nostalgia with you, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's not really anything more because this is my interpretation of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's exactly what it is. You hit the nail right on it. <laughs> like this song is just, this is what it means to me. Yeah. It's not attached to you type my, thing. My <sighs> aunt loves, uh, she loves um, Lord of the Rings, the books. Mm-hmm. She refused to watch the movies because in her mind, she has what Frodo looks like and she doesn't want to reread it and think, oh, this is Elijah mm. Wood. So I, I always yeah. kind of relate music listening to kind of like that where like I don't, like oh like i love this song like i put this i dedicate this song to my girlfriend bubble and like oh it's about my dog you know like <laughs> stuff like that just it, and it doesn't ruin it necessarily but it just doesn't add anything either it's just like mm-hmm. what's the point yeah i like it just being a piece of my my art yeah piece of my brain for sure and then making my own world with it or something <laughs> i was uh i was kind of struggling with like looking for covers to talk about because like i mean i like to play covers but i don't like to take those covers and play them elsewhere um, because I, when I have a hard time playing covers, especially the songs that mean a lot to me, I can't like verbally finish it without crying or something or feeling like an intense feeling with it. But, um, I think it also just takes away from the sincerity of what that artist was trying to tell me. Yeah. And I don't necessarily feel like I want to share my experience with everyone else. Um, so there's very few covers that I really enjoy and falling it like again, coming around to another circle. Um, I really enjoyed Puddles because he takes away the human part of what that song could link me to. It's just like this uh, this character that looks human but is not like me singing this song, so it's not distracting me from the song. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I really like that. Yeah, I think it's something that that he really does well in in the sense of like uh, really letting the meat on the bones show, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, you, it's, that's a great full circle. I didn't have to bring this full circle because you already did. Um, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts about Puddles, about David Bowie, about the song? Uh, I think altogether, let all of the music that flows into your mind become like a, an episode of something and enjoy it for what it is and have fun with it. Um, and I think Puddles is a really good example of just having fun with sincere songs and being true to himself and just being a, um, an excited guy who's willing to show you the music and not necessarily himself, which I think is a cool thing. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to like go home and like watch more puddles things. Now I'm all inspired to like (laughs) be someone different for a little while in Bowie's. Um, but yeah, I guess that's my, I don't know how to end final thoughts. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, support musicians. Yeah. Support their crafts allow your change that would be cool i'm excited to see everyone's change so that's a great transition to some plugs and when we talk about sup essay when can people listen to (laughs) sup essay sup essay is still developing but you can expect music videos on mondays 
Um, I do my best. I'm running into copyright issues until a couple of weeks from now, I think when I'm meeting with an actual company that will help me through it. But on Mondays, you can expect links to music videos on YouTube. And on Thursdays, you can have a, you can join me for a Spotify build where I build mixes of local musicians on Spotify. So you can always catch me on Mondays and Thursdays live. Okay, cool. Yeah. On Facebook. Um, and our tag is sup essay local. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, sup essay local. Yeah. And it'll come up on Facebook, Instagram soon and website soon. Awesome. (laughs) Do you have anything else to plug? Your music Um, or where can we find your music? Oh gosh. Um, I have some stuff on SoundCloud, but maybe I'll wait until the whole album releases in November to plug that in. Okay, cool. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome.